Hey, Megan. Hey, Nicholas. So what did we talk about today? Today, we spoke about leadership with the CEO of the Tiger Chamber of Commerce, Debbie Mullahan. That's right. We talked to her about all of the leadership stuff that's happening in Tiger, Oregon. <laughs> and um, asked about the three qualities that she looks for in a leader. All that and more on another exciting episode of the Refreshing Edge podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to the Refreshing Edge podcast, hosted by Megan and Nicholas DeSalvo, about what businesses go through when branding, developing creative, and marketing their business in an ever-changing digital climate. It's also about leadership, company culture, building community, working with your spouse, and whatever we feel is important to share with you today. You might know Megan as an amazing wife, incredible mother, thespian, entrepreneur, co-owner, and creator of opportunities at Edge One Media, and volunteer for every nonprofit organization that exists in Portland and maybe beyond. You might know Nicholas for his love of coffee, tennis, watches, video games, and all things Portland. Hey, Megan. Hey, Nicholas. So what are we going to talk about today? Today, we have a special guest. Debbie Mullahan with the Tiger Chamber of Commerce is our guest today. Yes, and I know that you are particularly excited to talk with Debbie because for the last 800 years, you have been the president of the board, the board chair. Just what is it? Two years. Board chair, two years. <laughs> yeah, and you're about to cycle off of this whole thing. That's true. That's true. And then uh, I'm going to be past board chair for another... Uh, uh, 872 yeah, years. Absolutely, right? <laughs> That's what anyway, it feels like. Uh, but I am very excited because this is our home chamber. Um, we're members of lots of chambers, but this one uh, is where our business is based. So we call it our home chamber, and it's the community we give back to. So it's really exciting to talk with her about um, how leadership is in this community. So, Debbie, uh, we we already have said we are excited to have you on, but why don't you tell us, for the benefit of our listeners, because we already know everything about you, who you are, what you do, and why it is important. I am Debbie Mollahan. I'm the CEO of the Tiger Chamber, and I think what's important about my role is um, I get the opportunity to impact and affect business every day and help business grow and help our communities thrive and be a solution, be a champion, be a catalyst. Um, so at the end of each day, typically I feel like I've been able to make a difference. And I can't necessarily say that about some of the other jobs I had in corporate America, you know, we we're producing a product or they were cool products and stuff like that. But this has a lot more, you know, immediate impact to business. And um, it's more personal, I think, because I know the membership base better than, you know, a lot of my other roles in previous lives. My customer was internal versus external. What makes our chamber unique? I think a combination of members that really care about each other and believe in coming together to help each other do better or overcome obstacles as chamber members and as businesses. And they also care deeply about their community. And I see that in how they support our nonprofits. I see that in the number of nonprofits that we have that are actually members of our chamber. And I just see it with how, in particular, those members where their value, their primary value they get is through our networking and business building connections, 
they have stayed the course, even though we have transitioned to a completely digital and virtual format. And um, so those are the things I think separate us. And I also see them wanting to make a difference. And I've seen a lot of that communicated, particularly in the last several weeks with the issues with racism, social justice, and equality. So there's been a lot of dialogue between members and between staff and between the board. And I think that also is a potential differentiator of a city chamber. Now, um, so one of the things that uh, is apparent to me, you know, we're members of lots of different chambers, um, but the, the Tiger Chamber in particular has been very successful at um, getting people to come to their virtual networking events um, in numbers. Um, uh, amongst uh, a slew of other chambers of similar size, what would you say, uh, what would you attribute, you know, your success in getting people to kind of rally around you and, and show up to networking events? Hmm. I think communication is one thing. You know, we made an immediate transition. We communicated what we were doing. We've been making sure that you can find those links online. So trying to remove some of those barriers and obstacles. Um, we provided early on content, thanks to Nathan Cook, about how to navigate that Zoom world because it was intimidating for some members. You know, our first couple of online networkings, we maybe had 15 people. I think the other thing was helping members who wanted to host overcome the fear of hosting in that format. And you guys helped, you and Nathan both helped lead that charge. He was, I think, our very, one of two of you was our very first presenter and then you guys were the second one, I think, blazing the trail because I think for a lot of people, wow, not only do I have to figure out how to be a participant, but then I have to figure out how to be a host in this completely digital environment that feels kind of strange to me. And then I think as it was okay for people to have their kid run through the background or their dog bark or something, you know, nobody like batted an eye and everybody said, hey, it's okay, we're all working from home. I think just making it comfortable for people and there was some outreach that transpired with the staff and connecting with some of our members that we thought might have issues with overcoming those technology barriers. Um, so I think those are the things that attribute to that. And I just think the other thing that attributes to that is our members that are particularly invested for this business building component want to connect with each other. And we've provided them a platform to be able to do that. I think that's accurate, an accurate assessment. Um, how does our chamber reflect its community? I think it reflects its community in a variety of ways. I think our chamber does a decent job of reflecting our community in terms of how we as an organization are engaged. So we honor and recognize volunteers through the community awards, um, it's usually a gala, probably won't be a gala this year, but we have a mechanism for highlighting and recognizing key volunteers within the community as well as in the uh, business community. And I think that shows that we're engaged in the broader community overall and a reflection of our community. I think that because the chamber actually runs the Tiger Farmers Market also is a way that we reflect our community and show value, but there's also a business component to it because those are all very small businesses that are in the, that farmer's market, but it also gives our community members access to fresh produce, 
and it enables us to leverage programs where we can also reach out to community members that maybe are more fiscally challenged because they can use their um, free control cards there and we have generous donors enables to do matching for our community. I think one of the other ways we reflect our community is we have a pretty good, decent uh, bell curve of age stratification that's in our chamber. If I look at our board of directors, you know, our youngest board of directors in their early 30s, and then our oldest board of directors is in their early 60s, and we've kind of got every generation in between that. We do have some um, minority representation on our chamber board, as well as in our chamber. Tigrant in of itself is not terribly racially diverse, but we are continuing to work on that as a chamber to make sure that we are reflecting what's overall in our community, in our business community, as well as across our board. Um, I think the other way we reflect our community and try to impact our community is through our leadership tiger program which is focused on developing community leaders by educating them about the major kind of characteristics and components about the, the community of tiger as well as washington county in which tiger resides and so in that way we as a chamber are reflecting back and educating those participants on what is tiger whether it's what are the human needs within tiger whether it's what's the nonprofit makeup look like in Tigard, what is the history, culture, and diversity of Tigard, um, what's the business and economy look like, what does the government structure look like? So, really trying to reflect back what the community of Tigard looks like and also adapt as things change because things will change in the community and we need to stay relevant. So, Megan is a leadership Tigard graduate, uh, I think, of the inaugural year. And, uh, and I was enrolled in Leadership Tigard in, uh, this year until um, COVID interrupted things. And I know that uh, leadership continued on in a virtual format. And I chose to go to next year where I could um, see those classes in person. But one of the things that struck me the most about Leadership Tigard was talking uh, about how public policy gets made. And um, and how it's, you know, the agendas for things like public policy are usually pretty good. You're, most of the smart people in the room are really trying to solve hard problems that are good for the most amount of people there are. And um, I mean, uh, and it's very difficult to reach consensus on what is good for everybody. Could you maybe speak a little bit about how interconnected the business community is? with you know doing good things in the community and and shaping public policy and and those kinds of things hmm. well where i see the business community doing good in the community is through their engagement to a large degree with a lot of our nonprofits you know when a nonprofit comes to either the chamber networking or some other, you know, to our Facebook page or some other mechanism like that and has an ask, they're usually greeted with a lot of positive response from our business community. We'll also see businesses advocating on behalf of maybe a cause or a nonprofit that might not be a member, but it's something that they have passion for and 
they want to share that with the rest of the community. So that is one of the ways I see business engaging um, and giving back. I think the other way I've seen businesses engaging in the community, particularly um, as we rolled into the pandemic, is yes, businesses were challenged with how to run their businesses and keep things afloat and figure out how they needed to change in this whole lockdown mode. But I also saw a lot of businesses either reaching out and helping each other navigate that. You guys did that with a lot of check-ins that you did. Um, I saw businesses reaching out and engaging with the school district, with the Pack with Pride movement, and how can they help with that. I saw restaurants that suddenly had, you know, way excess food inventory and caterers trying to find someplace they could put that excess food and put it to good work. So I saw lots of those different things. In terms of like public policy, where I see business engaging, and I've seen this more and more, is when we have um, either calls to action, like write to your legislator, click on this button and communicate your needs, or come to a forum and give your feedback, we're seeing a lot more engagement from the business community in terms of leveraging those opportunities to provide feedback. And the public process, I think one of the things I've learned in this job is by the very nature of the public process, it takes a long time because the public process needs to make sure everyone's voice has been given an opportunity to be heard. There will still be people that will choose not to make state their piece, right, or provide input, and then maybe later complain in the background. But, you know, if you didn't provide your input, then shame on you. So that public, I think that's been one of my big ahas is that um, a business can actually be more nimble and take more action and drive more change in a shorter period of time than a public entity can because of the way our public entities are designed to have that public how can we, um, as a business community, how could we be more inclusive of minority voices? That is a really good question. <laughs> um, I, you know, I don't know that I have an immediate answer to that because this is an area that I'm learning in because I'm not a minority. And um, I think that one of the ways businesses can engage in that is to do some thought work and to do some reading and to do some, you know, whatever your format is to educate yourself on how do I make my business safe? And, you know, I think the first place is to try to create an environment where people can have a safe conversation and they feel like they can be heard and they feel like they can, they can say what's real and true and they can um, share their experience, even if it's a bad experience and even if it doesn't reflect well on the business. And then I think the next thing the business needs to do if they can get to that point where they've created this environment where people can feel like they're open is you need to shut up and listen and take stock and then pull together the right people to help figure out what changes you need to make in your business. And I think that the 
you know, one of the things that we did as an organization is we just reviewed our strategic plan as kind of part of our lead up to our annual meeting. It's kind of our normal practice. Just so happens we've had, you know, a lot of focus on equity, racism, social justice in the few weeks leading up to that. So one of the things we did was we looked at our strategic plan with that lens, like, okay, with that lens, which we've never really done before, what would we change about maybe some of our strategies underneath our five core objectives that we have? And one of the things that came out of that, not the only thing, is we are going to launch a DEI committee for the chamber. And I've asked a staff person to help lead the charge who has education at a master's level and expertise in that background, much more so than I. So I think that's one of the other things It's a business is you need to know what you're good at and know what you're not good at and go get some people to help you. And so, you know, not my area of expertise. I have somebody on my team that's got a lot more experience in that area. Mm -hmm. That team member also says, I'm white. So I am not going to run this by myself. I am going to go partner so that we can make sure that we're doing this correctly. So I guess at this point in time, that's my advice. And I realize there's some companies that are way further down the road in terms of, you know, what they've been doing surrounding these types of issues. And then there's other companies that are just starting. There's a spectrum all the way in between. Yeah, well, I think one thing that um, COVID has given us is some time and attention to reflect on things that are important. And what's come out of that is that uh, people are spending a lot of time thinking about um, injustice in the world. And you know what can we do, particularly right now in racial injustice, what can we do to be more inclusive of voices? And I, you know, I think that it starts with being uh, able to make uncomfortable conversations possible so that we can start to have some discourse. And, uh, and then further, making changes um, that we can make you know, affecting change where we can do it. And I know that lots of cities and organizations are starting to look at the language that they use. Um, and language is, is, matters, it's important. And um, the things that have seemed unimportant before suddenly uh, are before us. And we realize, wow, how, how is this still the way it is said? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, yeah, I think oftentimes, you know, even in city charters, things of that nature, there's language that we haven't amended or changed because there's a, you know, a process to it and you, you can't do it just, you know, you can't just go through and make your edits and, and make that done. You know, there's a whole voting process and things that have to happen in order for change to be made. And so I think, um, you know, it's, it's nice to see the organizations that are taking um, steps to do that um, because it's, it's work that we probably should have always been doing, but we just you know, didn't have the, the lens we do now to be able to do it effectively. Um, that being said, what do you admire about the leadership in your city? What I've seen is, you know, from the mayor, the council, the city manager, particularly in the last several weeks, you know, a desire to have transparency, a desire to have hard conversations, a desire, you know, the city of Tiger came out and made a statement with regard to what happened to George Floyd and how they wanted Tigard to be. I saw 
that put into action where they walked the talk when we had a Black Lives Matter uh, march in Tigard and the entire, entire city council participated, as did our chief of police, as did some of the command staff. And um, so to me, they're putting, you know, action behind their words. I know in a recent conversation I had with a city manager, they, her, she and her staff did a listening session and invited any city staff that wanted to participate to talk about the topic and talk about racism and talk about equity. And she said that listening session was very revealing for them and um, wasn't always you know, learn some things that she suspected and weren't great about the organization that needed to be fixed. But I think for me, the huge thing was, is that they created an environment where people felt like they could say what they wanted to say and that they could be heard. And um, roughly a third of the entire employment base for the city of Tigard logged on to that listening session, whether it was just to listen whether it was maybe to provide some just like feedback about, well, here's some things I'm seeing that I think maybe we should address, or here's been my experience where I've experienced, you know, discrimination or these types of things. And so I thought that was really, I, I was really impressed, quite frankly, that they got that level of response. And That's I think that the other thing that I've seen is, um, you know, one of the challenges that Tigard has is they recently passed a safety levy to add more police officers, um, which the city needs because we've been at the same level of police staffing for 25 years and the community's grown and the demand on police services has also increased significantly. And what I really am, admire about our chief of police is she has partnered up with the mayor and had numerous like zoom sessions where the public could come in and ask the hard questions directly to her as the leader of the police force with regard to you know use of force those types of things there's a eight can't wait list and apparently tiger has already done seven of those eight so we're well positioned um and i also saw that in leadership tiger because a few days subsequent to things starting and happening with what happened to George Floyd and his murder, that happened to be public safety and judicial day in Leadership Tiger. So we were gonna have, you know, command staff presenting, we were gonna have commercial crimes presenting, we were gonna have the district attorney presenting. Um, and I gave him a heads up that, you know, you might get asked some hard questions and there were some hard questions. And, um, and I really felt like all the way from Commander McDonald to the leader of the commercial crimes unit, to the Washington County DA, they all did a really good job of acknowledging the current circumstance, what was happening, and then speaking into, you know, what they were doing in their respective areas uh, about them. So, so what I've seen, at least in the last, you know, month or so with respect to leadership from the city level and government level and those particular instances, I've been pretty impressed. But then I think if I take it down to the next level, you know, we have leaders all over in our community, whether it's somebody leading a nonprofit or it's somebody leading a business or it's somebody lead, just leading a committee that has an impact. And 
I think one of the things that I was really impressed with is as I was looking for candidates for Leadership Tigered, I had a discussion with the mayor about a year ago about, you know, how could you help me with that? And he's like, well, you know, we have this volunteer list of all of these people that are on all of these committees mm -hmm. and work groups and stuff like that at the city. And I said, oh, that would be a great place to start because those people are already engaged in their community, right? That list was 100 people that are already engaged. So these are just community members that want to make a difference at a various levels of whatever is to their passion, whether it's like, I've seen the impact that a budget can have on a city and a community, and I have experience in there, and I want to add value there, or it's somebody that wants to be on the Citizens Engagement Committee, and a whole host of other things. So I think that, you know, leadership is at all levels in a community. I think a lot of times people have the tendency to look at, well, who's on top, because that's the leader. But in all of our lives, every single person is a leader in some way right? You're leading your children. You might be managing somebody at work. You might be part of a committee. I mean, unless you're living on an island mm -hmm. and you're not trying to influence anyone else, then I'd say, okay, well, then you're not a leader. But we're all at some point in our lives or even in our day-to-day -day existence trying to influence people and make things happen. So in that instance, we're all leaders. I agree with that statement wholeheartedly. Uh, how can your city's leadership be stronger? Mm. Well, that's a good question, too. <laughs> I asked the good ones. I love these, like, pop questions here where I didn't know what question was coming at me. Um, hmm. I think uh, if I go back to... Well, when you, let me ask what you mean when you say city. Let's clarify that versus me interpreting what you mean. Well, yeah. Well, I just mean, uh, so like the, the city of Tigard, mm -hmm. leader, you know, you can interpret leadership to mean whatever it is to right. you. But like you represent, you're, the chamber represents the city of Tigard. And um, so I'm just Curious, you know, like what could be stronger in the city's leadership, meaning the geographical space's leadership, not like the city of Tigard specifically? I think that more listening, less pontificating and postulating, um, breaking down silos because there's silos, whether they exist across industries or across neighborhood groups or whether they exist across ethnic groups or, you know, city versus whomever. And I think that to really, you know, develop a even better community where everybody feels safe and welcome and everybody feels like they can grab their piece of the American dream, whatever that looks like. Um, we need to be more collaborative and we need to have a balance between being self-centered. And I'm not using self-centered in the standpoint of like, oh, it's all about me, right? I'm using self-centered, like we do need to take care of self. And if I don't take care of self, I can't take care of others, right? 
but there needs to be a balance. Now, I also realize depending on where you're at in your life and what's going on in your life, you might not have the capacity to have any focus on others because it's all you can do to, to like manage what's going on with self. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of us that don't fall in that camp. And I think that if we can find that balance between taking care of self and taking care of others, then that moves us along as a community and thinking of others. And I'm just gonna use the whole mask thing as an example. Because I know the mask thing is controversial. Some people believe it doesn't make any difference. Some people believe it makes a lot of difference. I'm gonna go with what our public health officials say, which that it does make a difference. Plus I also watched this fascinating video where a guy used air he showed how air moved when you wore a mask and when you didn't wear a mask. And it like shows this dispersion, huge dispersion of air particles when you're not wearing a mask. So just gonna use that as an example. I don't wear a mask particularly because I think it's gonna keep me from getting COVID. I'm not symptomatic, but could I be a carrier? I could be, I could be a carrier. I have a family member who tested positive and has never had any symptoms, right? So who knows how many people are out there. So to me to say, I'm not gonna wear a mask is not very other centered. It's all about the inconvenience to me, why I don't wanna do it, you're not the boss of me, whatever, whatever, whatever fit, shoe fits. And so I'm just gonna use that as an example, like we're all in this together, we all live on this planet together, we all live in Tiger together, we all, you know, we interact with each other daily, whether we're shopping, whether we're in a park, whether, you know, whatever we're doing, taking our kids to school, we're in school. And so to not have that balance between self and other um, is, it's not going to move us forward as a community. I agree. And uh, Nicholas and I just spoke with one of our uh, clients who's in the medical field today. Um, about the difficulty um, they have with um, patients wanting to wear or not wanting to wear a mask in their facility. And I think um, a lot of people have politicized it and made it a political issue. And it really, it's a, it's a public health issue. Um, you know, and, and I think, um, sure, freedom of choice exists, um, but at what expense? And so, um, you know, communities are stronger together when they um, think about the positive that comes from those things. And sure, if you have a respiratory illness and can't wear a mask because you need oxygen, that's different. Um, but, you know, absolutely, I think um, if there's anything that we can do to, to better our community and better each other, why wouldn't we take strides to do it? Um, you know, I, I, yeah, I understand that completely. Uh, so we are to our very favorite question that we're going to ask. <laughs> and that is, uh, what are the top three traits you admire in a leader? Well, I actually came up with like a list of 12. So now I got to pick my top three here. Uh, let's see. <laughs> yes. And we acknowledge that there are many traits. Uh, you know, Nicholas and I, we did many, a podcast on leadership. Traits. Yes. Um, and we talked about the fact that there, our, our list is probably, you know, dozens. Um, but we, we did try to pick the top three. Oh. Yeah, well, we could start with your, with your top three, and then we could maybe list some honorable mentions also. Okay. <laughs> so in looking at kind of my brainstorming I came up with, I think one of the top three qualities of a good leader 
is that they're a good listener. Um, and not just like, I mean, active listening, not listening, but in your head, you're like thinking about how you want to interject what you want to say, but actually active listening and processing. Uh, I think one of my other top three is somebody that has a good balance of intuitive versus data-driven decision-making. So they know when to gather data to enable decision-making, and then they know when they need to just go with their gut. Sometimes you just need to go with your gut. So I think a good leader has a good balance of those because I've seen leaders that are skew over to the all the data all the time and have what a low probably emotional intelligence and no gut capability. And then I've seen leaders that swing completely over the other side and make all their decisions based on gut with no data whatsoever. And I've seen disasters kind of on both sides. So I think that having a nice balance of that mm -hmm. is good. Um, and then for me, these probably go together, but somebody who's ethical and keeps their word I mean, that, uh, that seems like integrity, you know, people who, right. um, somebody you can trust. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I also think it's interesting to think about the, the balance between being data driven and being experience driven or get driven or something like that, you know, because, uh, uh, I know that we all are, um, in our own worlds and our experiences are completely different. And, and uh, if you're too data-driven, you can get stuck in, um, in in action because there's so much data for you to consume. And if you're gut-driven, you can get stuck in what your particular experience is. And that can be completely different than somebody else's. And I, I think it's important to have both so one can inform the other. Um, and you're not just stuck... You know, I, I think social media has a, uh, a profound effect on how we feel about the world because it tends to reinforce the thing that you think over and over and over again, because you naturally just start to interact with the thing that you think more and more and more. And you stop seeing the things that you don't see, uh, think and realize that, you know, there's this entire world out there with different levels and layers of opinions and, um, if you're only seeing your own, it's easy to become entrenched in it. Uh, Megan and I did this exercise together in a previous podcast where we listed our, we revealed our three to each other, not having known what they were. Mine were decisiveness. So I thought that a leader needed to be able to make a decision. A lot of times people um, resist committing to things. And I thought it was important to just be able to take a stand about something and then have, uh, and then my second one was flexibility so that if you did take a stand about something and it turned out to be the wrong thing, you could be humble enough to walk it back and say, you know what? I think that was wrong. I think we should try something else. And uh, I think that uh, I've said this a bunch of times, but I, I think that flexibility can be mistaken for weakness, you know, and, and really I think that, uh, we should celebrate people who can be flexible enough to change their minds about things once they get enough data to realize they've made the wrong choice and, um, and, and say, you know what, I think I was wrong about this and this is why, and then go make another choice. Right. Be decisive about it. 
Yeah, changing your mind was on my top ten list. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Be, being and being to willing to. Mind. Yeah, being right. willing to. Being open to it. Yeah. And my number one thing was empathy. Um, I, you know, I think that people get entrenched in their opinions and they cannot see beyond what those are. And, uh, you know, if we can try to spend a little more time understanding why people think the things that they think, we'd all be a little bit better served. And, uh, and it goes into being a good listener. You know, if you, if you can really truly listen to somebody and try to understand where they're coming from, even if it's completely different from what you believe in your soul. I think that's better than having it escalate into anger and resentment because that's so easy to do. Right. And we've, we've lost the art of being able to lovingly disagree with each other. Um, and, um, it, and things escalate into anger and resentment, particularly online because that's where everybody is right now. Right. Um, so if we could be a little bit more empathetic and compassionate about what everybody is going through, because, uh, you know, our, everybody's experience is different, you know. Uh, I think that, I think we all be better served with that. Megan's were completely different from mine. I think they're reflective of who we are as people. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think, um, too, you know, no two people come from the same exact background. You know, we have um, different life paths. And um, a lot of people don't know uh, your life path unless they talk with you and learn, learn about it. And so um, I find that a lot of uh, the great leaders that I admire have, um, a very unique and interesting life experience um, that have um, provided them the ability to see things from other people's perspectives. Um, so mine are, um, I think that leaders should be collaborative, um, that there isn't anything that a leader wouldn't be willing to model or do or be a part of or help um, solve a problem. Um, you know, that yes, you're, you're a leader, maybe you're the top of the organization, but you are kind of on the same team. Um, so there's not this hierarchy of, you know, oh, I'm holier than thou and you must listen to me and do as I say, and I'm not going to do any of the work. Um, so that's how I feel about leadership is I, I think that, you know, collaboration is, is really important. And also um, great leaders are collaborative in that they empower their team members to do their special thing. The thing, you know, like I think earlier in, in this conversation, you talked about, knowing what your limitations were and you knew that you had a, a team member who was strong in a particular thing. So you empowered her to, um, to be in charge of that thing. And, and, you know, the great leaders that groups of people can do much more than individuals can, and they can be with people in that way. Uh, my other one is, is transparency. Um, I believe that leadership should be transparent. There shouldn't be anything that you aren't willing to share um, that you're a part of or doing. Um, I think uh, when people, people often don't understand um, organizations or leadership teams when um, people aren't transparent about what's going on. So there's that um, piece. And then um, my top one is passion. I feel that um, great leaders have passion for what they do. And when they don't have that passion anymore, then they know it's time for them to step back and um, move, move on to the next thing. So um, passion is my number one. Very cool. Yeah. So thank you for being a guest on our podcast. Uh, we appreciate your time. And um, yeah. Uh, how could people get a hold of you? 
Well, they can email me at debbie at tigerchamber.org. And I don't spell my name traditionally. It's D-E-B-I at tigerchamber.org. And they can also call me at 503-639-1683 because we currently have our phones forwarded to cell phones since we're working remote. Wonderful. Well, thank you again. All the socials, uh, you can go to tigerchamber.org. You can follow you on Facebook, Tiger Chamber, yes. on Instagram, on TikTok. Yes, thank we're goodness. on TikTok. <laughs> Thanks to another one of my staff, who that's her skill set, not mine. I've been an yeah. actor in a TikTok, but <laughs> I don't do the TikTok. <laughs> Well, thank you again so much. Uh, we appreciate your time and uh, yeah, it was a All pleasure. Right. It's fun to talk to you guys. Thanks. All right. All right. Thank you. If you liked what you heard today, please be sure to subscribe to our podcast. Share it with a friend. Follow us on the socials. At Edge One Media. At This Is Nicholas DeSalvo. Or at Megan DeSalvo. 